You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the show. It's hour number two of The Big Show. No Russick this week. I'll be back next week. Peter Klein sits in with me. Patty Dumas here. GVP is here. We're live in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, you can visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Coming up in this hour, we got Eric Francis joining us from Nashville. Traveled yesterday around the team, with the team, adjacent to the team. Yeah. Worked his way onto the Nashville trip. Yes, so, sir. Real grind. Yeah, and now he's going to go to Dallas after this. Tough oh. gig. Tough beat. Real tough beat. I know those are two of his favorite stops on the NHL circuit. So um, we'll check in with him. That'll be just after 7.30, but a little bit of a double dip on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as Pete Weber joins us to kick off the hour Nashville Predators radio play-by-play on the game 101.5 down in Nashville. Good morning, Pete. How are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. And how could I not be doing well after what happened here on Monday night? That's what I was going to start with. What an end to the game for the first time in franchise history. A couple of goals scored in the final minute to turn a deficit into a victory in regulation and against one of the bigger rivals in this Central Division, I would assume, in the Colorado Avalanche. Just tell us about that contest in particular. Well, as it turned out, what it's just the uh, research said it was only the 11th time in league history that such a thing has occurred. So that really gives you some context into all of that. The place went absolutely bananas. Uh, here you have a team that is looking like it's going to be able to kill things off. And I'm speaking of the Avs. And the Avs having just completed their own remarkable comeback in Dallas on Saturday, where they were down 3 nothing and won the game 6-3. And you think, oh, my, this is uh, how, pick your poison. How are you going to uh, pass away from all of this? And that was the case where they came on and Philip Forsberg has been playing spectacularly lately. Philip Forsberg ties it uh, essentially by bunting an airborne buck into the net. And then 16 seconds later, Yakov Trenin concludes a play after you had your uh, top defenseman on the abs pass out behind the, just behind the net. I mean, Kale McCarr lost control of the body. The puck came out front, and Chase Smith, they gave the puck across to Yakov Trenin, and he scores the game winner. And it happened so rapidly. I'll put it this way, guys. I was preparing to read my uh, read going into an overtime period, but I had to throw that aside. Yes, uh, you certainly did. Uh, I know the the scramble for the the liners and all that type of stuff. Got to got to get some sponsor reads in here, but uh, no, yeah. they 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 flipped the script, and and now that's back to back wins for the Predators after they had lost four in a row. Has this team turned a corner in their play, or was this more of a situation where they kind of salvaged a win and they're still trying to figure things out here? I would think I think it's one where UC Saros kept them in the game, mm-hmm. kept them in proximity throughout the course, and then they were able to take advantage of that <clears throat> in the last minute of play. And that is, uh, you know, that's something you just take and write down. Now you have to uh, be a little bit concerned. Cody Glass, who had just gotten back into action, he was placed on injured reserve yesterday. Looked like a shoulder injury happening late in that uh, third period, though not near comeback time. Uh, on Monday night. 
So next man up and see what happens. Uh, another player who the, the stats have certainly jumped off the page, and I would imagine that the play has as well. Uh, Philip Forsberg, seven goals in his yeah. last five games, uh, eight in his last 10. Injuries kind of slow things up last year, a, a mere 19 goals. Um, but it, it really does from <laughs> afar look like this is a player who has really found it again. Well, what have you seen from the, the Preds' top goal scorer? Nothing against that at all. And he's usually around 7 to 12 shot attempts per night. I mean, that's been pretty consistent. So every now and then, some of those have to go in, right? <laughs> and they certainly are going in for him right now. Yeah, yesterday, we had a luncheon to honor David Poyle, the Predators' retired general manager. And that was, uh, he made two trades for Forsbergs in his time here in Nashville. <laughs> for Peter in 2007 and for Philip in 2013. And that trade for Philip Forsberg was one where the Washington Capitals held out until I think maybe 30 seconds to go before the trade deadline hmm. before they said, okay, you want Marty Erat? We need Philip Forsberg. And that's how that all happened. Yeah, I think Washington wow. probably should have held off for another 30 seconds or so because uh, that uh... – <laughs> I don't. I, I think they'd like to, totally to have that one back. You, totally. <laughs> yeah, hmm. yeah pro- probably want another swing at that one. Uh, another player that that you kind of look at is, is Ryan O'Reilly. First year with the Predators. When he signed there, I just thought, boy, that that fits. That that like he seems like a, a Nashville Predator. How has that fit been so far? It's been much better than OJ's hand in that glove. But it's much closer to an almost perfect fit. Yeah, he uh, he has been uh, the guy that has helped the younger players. So we, we had mentioned Cody Glass a little while before. Uh, Tommy Novak, who's an injured reserve right now, too. And Luke Evangelista, who I think will be back in the lineup tonight. He was a healthy scratch for, uh, shall we say, as coaches like to put it, reset purposes going into the game against the Avs on Monday night. So I think we will see him back in the lineup here this evening. And, uh, you know, the final game before the Thanksgiving break, and, of course, I think everybody realizes now that on a day like this, and I certainly learned it in my time in Los Angeles, just before uh, Thanksgiving, make sure you're on the road like three hours early because you're not going to believe the traffic. And I think that might help out tonight with a later start here for the central time zone. Well, and we were kind of talking about it uh, tomorrow being a, a holiday down there. So tonight can be a, a bit of a party night. Not that Nashville needs an excuse, but uh, it does feel no, like t- tonight could be Eric Francis in town. right. Exactly. Yeah. He, one man, one man band with that one. He, he can, he can carry a building surprised himself. Surprise the town's still standing. <laughs> um, but I, I would imagine uh, I we're getting quite the, that yet. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. We're, we're making some assumptions, but I would imagine we're getting quite the atmosphere in this building tonight coming off of that game. And now a bit of a, a party atmosphere tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it generally is now when Ken Hitchcock was coaching the Columbus blue jackets in particular, he compared to playing in Nashville on a holiday or a Saturday night, like the Christians against the lions. And I think that uh, Calgary experienced that in previous trips here as well. Was your morning show not here like in the last 10 years? Yeah, they were here. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, they sure did. And uh, they didn't get arrested, I don't think. Mm, It was uh, close, I think, but I don't think they did. It wasn't for a lack of trying. It wasn't official, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But looking at this group again, um, Andrew Burnett, first 17 games with the the Nashville Predators. Um, Obviously, like you said, uh, David Poyle out there, there's been a bit of turnover there. Um, out in Nashville. What have you made of the first 17 games for the the new head coach? 
Well, I think he has. Uh, he's getting to the point right now where I think the guys have absorbed his system. The drills we see in practice, where he's just trying to get quick out of the zone, quick out of the zone, and that probably has uh, required more than a bit of an adjustment for a guy like Roman Yossi, who essentially has been the one-man uh, attack to carry the puck out, but just move it up quick to the forwards and get it going down that way. And I think we've begun to see it, and not just with that comeback to the night, but we have begun to see that, and they're making that transition. But after playing differently for several years, that's not easy to do. You've mentioned some of the younger players that are on this team as well, and they're trying to do a little bit more of a youth movement, get a little bit of development going with some of these players. Has anybody really taken a big step forward, or have injuries been kind of the the primary story when it comes to guys like Glass and, and like Evangelista? Well, Evangelista, thankfully, has not fallen victim to the injury bug yet. But a guy who did, and I think has shown brightly, uh, but we're going to still be several weeks away from seeing him back, Tommy Novak. Tommy Novak looks like a skinny guy who just uh, barely survives. And yet, at the end of the night, you see him all over the score sheet with uh, attempts, with with goals, and with assists, and winning face-offs. So that's one part of that story. And Luke Evangelista, I think, you know, here he is. Uh, he's got some pretty famous relatives. He's, he's got an uncle named Brendan Shanahan. Mm. Uh, he's got, uh, he's got a, a, an aunt who's a big-time model in New York City. Uh, so here's a guy that uh, knows what it's like and uh, knows what it's like to be around greatness, and he's approaching it himself right now. So, yes, there definitely is. A, and the youth movement, I think, really began the latter third of last year when the team had so many injuries and still got within a couple of points. And I need not mention this to Calgary fans, a couple of points of a playoff spot because both teams were vying for that wild card going down the stretch. How much of this team's success this season and even moving forward is based on UC Saros play because, uh, and especially against the flames, he's always dominant, yeah. but him yep. in particular, it really feels like this team is, is almost make or break with how he's going. Particularly on the road, mm. I got to say, I was always looking for the sheriff to show up in the dressing room to arrest him for theft because <laughs> that's the way he has played the game. That's what he has done for this team. So, yeah, there, it's a large part of UC Saros there. That's why what I keep hearing that, you know, for example, uh, was it the Devils were trying to call Barry Trotz and work out a deal to get UC Saros. I, I don't think he is uh, seriously considering such calls. That would be like calling Spolumbos and expecting them not to come up with a great sandwich for you. Mm, that's a great reference. I love well it, done. Pete. Uh, hey, it's Thanksgiving. You got any big Thanksgiving plans after the uh, the game here tomorrow uh, tonight? Well, what we do tomorrow, we've got I've got two stops in the morning, and then uh-huh. I've got a four o'clock flight to St. Louis for the game there on on Friday afternoon. So it's going to just be rapid fire. And uh, tonight we have a pregame ceremony. Uh, to honor David Poyle. There's going to be a banner unfurled upstairs for his uh, career as general manager here. And I think people will remember, he. I first met David when he was working for Cliff Fletcher and the then Atlanta Flames yep. before they moved to your city in 1980. How much have you seen David around the building lately? Because I know he says he's Quite retired, but he's still going to do a consultant, yep. and it really felt like he didn't ever really want to just leave the building too much. I agree with that initial assessment, but I think he's settling into this now. Yeah. I think he is enjoying the chance to be with his family 
and not have to be away at all points in time. He can kind of come in and, and, and be there when he needs to be. I, I, I like that as yeah. well. Um, I enjoy the ceremony tonight. Uh, always appreciate your time, Pete. Thank you very much, guys. And uh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with that new building in Calgary. Oh, we're all very excited. Waiting with bated breath for a shovel to get in the ground. We're, we're waiting on it. <laughs> That's Thanks, right. Pete. Well, bait that breath. That's the way yes. to go. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. Thank you, sir. Take care, guys. There you go. That's Pete Weber. He is the play-by-play voice of your Nashville Predators. Beauty. Oh, beauty. Absolute beauty. That was awesome. The game in 101.5 down in Nashville. Is UC Soros on a uh, $5 million cap hit the best contract in the league? I I would talk this with with Willie Donick, their uh, TV play-by-play, and, like, it might... I know, like, like he uh, he mentioned that it's not something that Barry Trotz would entertain moving a UC Soros, but you've got Yaroslav Askarov coming up in the system as well, who's one of the top goaltenders uh, who's not in the NHL as well. Obviously, goalies are weird voodoo. That a little bit slower for him to get here. Slower here, start honestly. as well. So, And he's still he's young. He's still he's not hasn't hit that age. 28. If you're looking at the Hellebuck comparable, it's like, give me that, and yeah. you've got Pecorine again. You could be retiring his number before you know it. Yeah, like if you are looking at moving him, I don't know what fair value is for a, a goalie with like oh a, my a 930 save percentage making $5 million a season. Because, oh, like, like I get it. No team's got money, but wouldn't LA love that? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. Toronto love that? Yeah, Edmonton, Ed- right? Oh. Like, I, I'm saying teams like right now that are yeah, 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 up yeah. there, but obviously Edmonton would love uh, yeah. uh, UC yeah. Soros. Yeah. Oh, that Toronto comes calling. Yeah, well, well, we'll start with Nylander, and we're going to keep going. And you're going to sit there politely and listen to yeah. what I have to say. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, you're going to sit there politely. Like, very Tr- not going to interrupt me. Yeah. Like, you think Nashville You're going to hear me out. You know, it's, it's David Poyle. It's Barry Trotz. And Barry Trotz wants to put his mark on this team, and he could, he could make... Like, it would be such a, a, a franchise-shaking move, because the, the, they develop goalies there in Nashville. Yeah, they they do a really good job at developing them, and they don't move them. They don't move them very often. So that one would be. I don't know how the fan base would take that one. Um, as far as best value contracts in the NHL, it's a good take, Pete. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I stumble at, on those every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, every once in a while, broken clocks, right twice a day, yep, yada yada. Um, there's not a better value contract when it comes to goalies. I, I don't s- think. Yeah, definitely by goalies. I'm just kind of, I was curious. So I've, I've, I've organized cap friendly by points here, and you start going down by the cap hits. Quinn Hughes at seven eight five. And that's <laughs> that's gonna go that's, really that's gonna nice. work. Yeah. That's gonna work. Um, and Jack Hughes at eight million dollars as he's twenty two years old, and that deal still has like a million years left on it. Yeah, that's and the good. cap hits gonna and cap's gonna start going up. Yeah, like they're, they're, that's they're, gonna be gross when she gets paid again. There's gonna be guys making twenty million a season. That's how insane that contract will be down yeah. the line. There's gonna be guys probably getting close to twenty million a year. Predator. Six more seasons after this. Yeah. Oh, for Jack Hughes at eight. At eight. Boy, that's that'll work. Yeah. You, you, can, you can you can build around that. Yeah, you can do some <laughs> stuff with that. Timmy Stutzel at eight three five. Love that. That's contract. a good deal. Yeah. 
But man, Nashville's interesting. Like they have nine contracts for next year. Yeah, they've got so like they, a every, ton of money. Everything is coming off. off the books. Like I said, you have the best contract in the league, maybe in Soros. They have six draft picks in the first three rounds uh, next year. Nine in the first four. They have two firsts in in twenty five. And I, I think a lot of like we talk about how what the what the Flames are doing with the Wranglers and developing that AHL system. What Nashville's done with the Milwaukee Admirals, mm-hmm. that is one of the best AHL run organizations in the league. Yeah, they don't have the Calder Cups to show for it, but with the players that they turn out that eventually show up on the Nashville Predators roster, insane. Notable that Tommy Novak's not in this game because he is one of those guys that you maybe don't hear a lot about, but he can put up the points. He's like a Frankie Vetrano type. Ooh. Mm. Middle six offensive specialist. And at only 26 years old and $800,000, a guy who's probably going to score 30 goals if he had been healthy for the entire year. Yeah. They got a first for Tanner Janot. They got... Uh, that helps. They got uh, <laughs> they got everything for Tanner Janot. They got like yeah. six yeah, picks. Exactly. But... It was ridiculous. Like... It's a good team. Hey, I got some stats from uh, Stat Pack I wanted to share with you guys. You guys want to hear some stats? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah. just looking at that Janot trade again. Good yeah. Lord. You want to rehash yeah. it for the listeners one time? Sure. Um, Cal Foot, a 23-3rd, a 23-4th, a 23-5th, a 24-1st, and a conditional 25-1st. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> or sorry, 24-2nd uh, and a conditional 25-1st. All Top 10 protected. Good. Which okay, I yeah. feel good about with the... Lightning, I'm probably going to get that pick. Yeah, you're probably going to get that one. Uh, <laughs> Flames only have eight power play goals through 18 games. That's the second fewest in franchise history at this point in the season. And they've all been scored by different guys. Different guys. They've all huh. been scored by different guys. The power play has not been outstanding. They do get the one goal in the last game. Um, the last time that they had had a slow start to the power play like this was in 2016, 2017. They had six power play goals. Back then, your power play had your usual suspects that were very young at this point. You had your 22-year-old Sean Monahan, 23-year-old Johnny Gaudreau, 20-year-old Sam Bennett, 19-year-old Matthew Kachuk, 23-year-old Dougie Hamilton, but it also had Christopher Stieg, Troy Brower, Michael Froelich, and Dennis Weidman playing prominent power play roles. So They only scored six through 18 games that year. Hmm. That was the year they made the playoffs. They lost to the Ducks in the first round. That's a good bet. Yeah, first round. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, four, uh, five games. Uh, sweep. Yes. Um, but also Nashville, terrible on the kill 30th on the kill. They've allowed 16 goals on 56 shorthanded attempts, and it is their second lowest penalty kill percentage through 17 games in franchise history. Uh, in 2020 and 2021, they were 68.3% at this point of the year, which would be terrible. Yeah. One thing that's notable here is the play of Zary and Pospisil. Um, Zary obviously had a not outstanding game in Seattle, sat down for a lot of that third period, but overall has been outstanding since coming up to the NHL. Hospital and Zary have uh, 13 of the team's 15 points from rookies this season. They've also combined for seven goals, which is tied for third behind Chicago and Boston when you're talking about goals from rookies. Hmm. Chicago lo- has a pretty good rookie that's yeah, they've, uh, contributing they've got to that. Essentially one guy, plus Kevin Korczynski, that are both helping out in that facet. But the last time the Flames had at least 15 points from rookies through 18 games. When do you think that was? This is a team that tri- traditionally, the last few years, it's not really traditionally, but over the last few years, they have not played a lot of rookies, especially yeah. early on in the season. Late in the season when they're out of it, okay, you can come in, you can get a single game, or you can get two games yeah. in meaningless hockey 
when we're playing regular season games and everyone else is playing the playoffs. You can come up and play in some of those against the Canucks, by all means. When was the last time that they had 15 points from rookies at this point of the season? Oh, boy. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Young Guns era, 98. Not that far. Not that far back. Too far. Not that far. Okay. Too far. Um, would it be like Monaghan's rookie year? Nope. So but f- close. Further? Mm. More recent. Bennett's rookie year? I can't remember. Is this a chicken or the egg situation? Um, I'm not even throwing out real years. I'm just saying, hey, this guy? Did this guy put up points? The last time the Flames had at least 15 points from rookies through 18 games was 2014. That was Johnny Gaudreau's mm. rookie year. Uh, that yeah. makes sense. That helps. How many points did he start with that year? That year, through 18 games, they had 21 points from their rookies, so they had six more than they currently have. So Johnny Gaudreau had 12 of them. Okay, who's the other rookies? Josh Juris had five. <laughs> Union College. Yes, sir. <laughs> Marcus Granlund had four. Ooh, not even Michael. No, no the Marcus. other Granlund. <laughs> the <laughs> one that did not stick in the <laughs> NHL. Granlund finished with 18 points that year. So it uh, Good start. in 48 games. <laughs> uh, kind of petered out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. Hey, Huberto has five points in his last three games, a couple goals and Ooh. three assists. He had seven points in his first 15 games played. Even more notable, he's got nine shots over the last three games. He only had 20 in his first 15. Oh, the wow. points, great. Sure, that's excellent. And any time that Jonathan Huberto is getting points, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Yes. But the fact that he is shooting more, three games, he has almost half of the shot output that he did in 15 games. In 20%, he is almost half. That is, Those are great numbers. You want him shooting the puck because that means that he can be more deceptive. As long as the other team doesn't think he's going to pass it every single time, that gives him more options. And yeah. we've seen he can score with a shot. Yeah. As some of his teammates have joked at times, it can be a bit of a muffin. <laughs> but that's okay. Got a little change of works every now and that's then. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Be accurate and, and pick your spots. And you're going to be goalies, especially if they're Philip Grubauer. Maybe not UC Soros, but you're going to be a Philip Grubauer. Well, I mean, look, with UC Soros, like the, it took them 38 shots to get three yes. goals. So volume, I think, is going to be key. And you look at how they scored, though. Like, Huberto throws it on net and it goes in. And then the Manjapani goal, it just bounced off of him and goes into the net. This is not going to be a game of pretty goals for the Flames. They're going to have to be ugly. Ugly. Uh, Francis is going to join us coming up after the break. Uh, last one for you. Michael Backlund recorded his 500th point with the franchise in the most recent law, uh, the most recent victory, part of me. 11 players have 500 points with the franchise. Michael Backlund is the 11th. Do you know who the other 10 are? You two can give it a whack. 500, 500 points in the franchise. Michael Backlund became the 11th player to hit 500 points. Who are some of the others? Iggy. Yes, Iggy's the only one with 1,000. Newendike. Newendike, correct. Uh, Gaudreau? Gaudreau, correct. Theo? Theo, yes, he's Nielsen. second. Yeah. Nielsen, The most underrated player of all time. I will go to my grave with that. Kent Nielsen. Okay, great. Um, um, we're missing five more, but you got McKinnis. half of them. McKinnis, correct. You guys have... The first five of them down. You're missing sixth. Mullen? Uh, no, oh. Mullen's not on the list, did but Monaghan? that's a good guess. Monaghan no, did not. No. no, but he was close. Darn injuries. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of blue liners. We have a... Geo? Just based on Yes. Volume? Just 509. Oh. 
Got uh, another defenseman here as well. Got uh, Fitness Freak. Oh, Gary Roberts. Yeah. Okay. Someone from the Atlanta days. Oh, God. You're uh, missing two here. Yeah. You guys are doing really good. You have Jerome McGinley, 1,095. Theo Fleury, 830. Al McKinnis, 822. Joe Newendike, 616. Johnny Gaudreau, 609. You're missing someone here. Then Kent Nielsen with 562. Then you're missing someone here. McDonald? No. No. Mark Giordano, 509. Gary Roberts, 505. Oh, he got his 500 before he got here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. yeah. it has to be with the Flames franchise. Yeah. Um, one's a defenseman. One's, one's a an defenseman. Atlanta. The Atlanta Flame is Guy Schwinnard. Oh, okay. Okay. 529. Yeah. You weren't going to get that. Nope. Um, it wasn't defenseman, though. Huh. Old Paul defenseman? Ranheim? No. no. <laughs> Fun, though. Good guess. <laughs> Suter. Oh. Oh. You don't think of him as a points guy. Uncle of Ryan. 564. Huh. In his time with the Calgary Flames. Hmm. The more you know, right, yeah. GVP? Bling, 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 bling. Excellent news. Eric Francis next. Sports on 960 The Fan. We spent that entire break just rattling off former Flames. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm still fine tuning <laughs> Impossible Flames trivia coming up at eight forty five today. Uh, I got an hour fifteen to just finalize the collection of players that I've chosen. I I have a couple. I have my theme. I just need Mr. Mouth there, bud. I just need a <laughs> Patty's just forcing some breakfast down his mouth cave. Those waffles were good. Yeah, were they? they? Smelled oh, really that's good. Really good news. Yeah. I'm happy for you, dude. Yeah. But yeah, we're we're just going down the old hockey reference wormhole in the breaks yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> Patty and I are just yelling out players on the fourteen flames yeah. at varying volume. How did they make the playoffs? Ben <laughs> Berchi? They won a round. Joe Colburn? They trade. Oh, they Joe did not. Colburn. They did not add at that deadline. They traded. No. They they sold at that deadline, and still made the playoffs. Didn't matter with Jonas Hiller's nine eighteen save percentage and two three six goals against. Our next guest was uh, around for that year, for sure. Eric Francis joins us live from Nashville, Flames writer and reporter for Sportsnet. What do you remember about that iteration of the Flames, Eric? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me what I remember from last night. Oh, well, I expect that that it's a big blurry haze, so I I didn't need to go down there. Yeah, you took it easy on me. Yeah. Uh, What do I remember? You sound great, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. It's early here. No, it's later here. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a year. I'll tell you. Hey, that's amazing. You told Hiller had a two three six goals against average. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Nine eighteen yeah. save percentage. The solution was found between the pipes. Amazing. Yeah. And who else was their goalie that year? Uh, Kari Rama with a nine twelve save percentage and a two point six goals against average. That was the year they went with the three-headed monster for a while. Yoni yeah. Ortio was the third guy. Yeah, yeah, he was dragging things down with a 908 save percentage. Yeah, couldn't put him on. What labor. happened yeah. here? Yeah, what a team! I, rem- I remember that year playing with uh, Yanni Ortio in the Flames golf tournament, and we wouldn't. Everyone in the group wouldn't stop hounding him the whole day because it looked like like he had on everything that he was wearing was skin tight uh, Lindbergh. Like it looked like he was going to the nightclub right from the golf course. 
And nobody would stop bugging him about it. The guy was a fashion plate, man. It was awesome. Look good, play good. That's the deal. Um, hey, nah, the fl- no, he didn't play good. He didn't oh. play good no. <laughs> okay, well, too bad, I guess. Uh, <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you about this team that's down in Nashville. They get the win in Seattle. We were talking about it on the show. It just feels like the energy around the team is a little bit different over the last week or so. You know, Elliot Freeman talked about a uh, a meeting with the team led by Michael Backlund or members of the team, and it really feels like things have maybe turned a corner in the last little week or so here, just with how things feel around the team. Yeah, I, I don't think that's uh, that's. I think that's accurate. Like I was asking Manjapani after the game the other night, like you know, going to that third period, it really felt like like it was almost inevitable that they were going to score and tie the game up, and that's not a feeling anybody would have had two weeks ago. Uh, it's not a feeling anybody had <clears throat> all of last year. I think they had one third period comeback all of last year. And uh, I think this year they've already of their, uh, of their last, what I think of their five wins in their last, what eight games or whatever they've had. Uh, I think four of the five wins they were trailing at, at some point in every game. Like that's, that's some resilience there that, you know, if you don't have confidence, if you're not playing that well, that doesn't happen. But, these guys feel really good about their game right now. And, you know, what is the record? Five, one, and two in their last eight. Like, that's pretty solid hockey. Like, that, that would be amongst, le- you know, league leaders over that eight-game spell. And there's a lot of people around the league that probably just thought, oh, they saw the Flames lost six in a row, and they probably thought, well, their season's over. They're going to be rebuilding. And, you know, I think they're here to tell you over the last eight games, no, no, we're still very much alive. And I know they woke up yesterday morning – two points out of a playoff spot. And I've never bought into that whole, you know, it's Thanksgiving in the States. And if you're not in the playoff picture, then you, you know, you've got an 88% chance of missing the playoffs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like there's 65 games left in the season and, and you're two or four points out. I, I refuse to count any team out uh, in a scenario like that, especially a team with momentum, like the flames. Now I'm not even counting out the Oilers. That's a whole other debate. Um, and, and it's really starting to look bad over there. Uh, that's a story for another day, but yeah, flames looking good. They're, they're feeling good and, uh, and good on them. Cause that's, uh, that was quite a whole day, Doug. I, I don't know if we're going to see a change maybe on the fourth line here, but do you, do you feel like maybe the top nine has some semblance of being set for lines for the moment being, at least it's been a big blend of different combinations to start the year here. Yeah, and, and and I think early in the year we were used to the coach throwing the lines in a blender, trying to find any semblance of chemistry between guys. Um, so I was a little surprised in Seattle that three guys were basically sat for the third period. Like I was, that was the lines were all jumbled up, and I'm like, what's going on here? So I started looking into the the numbers, and Connor Zary had like three shifts or something in the third period. Um, and that would, you know, again, the way he started his career in the NHL, I think people would be surprised to hear that he was kind of almost benched. I asked the coach after the game, he said, yep. Uh, I said, were those guys injured or was we were just not seeing what you needed to see from them? And he said, yeah, that that's accurate. I was not happy with what I was seeing. And it was uh, Sharon Govich, uh, Connor Zeri, and, and Walker Dewar. And all three of them were uh, – basically from three different lines. 
So it was very interesting. They picked one from each line and sat them all and shortened the bench, and it, and it worked out. And they got the goal, and they ended up winning. But uh, generally speaking, you know, you look at how how hard they looked for the first what dozen games or whatever to try and find any chemistry. And I think it all started with Backland Coleman, and you know, most coaches are all about duos, not trios, and that duo. Uh, has really helped Jonathan Huberto get back on track. Like I, I think his last three games, Huberto's played as well as he has, maybe as a flame. And uh, in those three games, he's got five points. Uh, but forget about the points. He's just more engaged and, and more into the play and more noticeable out there. So, yeah, all those. And, of course, the Zeri, Pospisil, Kadri line, I think it's their best line. Yeah. Has been for the last handful of games. And uh, even though they got broken up the other night, it's, that's a damn good line. Given what, what could be happening here over the next little while with unrestricted free agents and, and things like that, how important is it, do you think, for, for Craig Conroy and company to know that what we're seeing from the two big acquisitions from last year, Kadri and Huberto, and them kind of finding their game again, how important is it to know that that is still within the range of possibilities that they can still be those guys for extended stretches? Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, for any organization, if your two highest-paid guys are – not only not contributing, but they're actually almost hurting the team. Sometimes it's, it's devastating. And, uh, Caudry's, you know, I had a long chat with Craig Conroy the other night and, you know, he thinks Caudry has been fantastic from the start of the season. Most of us didn't really think that, uh, cause the production wasn't there, but the effort was there in his opinion anyway. And now the production's there the last, you know, six, seven games with, with those kids along his side. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, Kadri is is back to form, and obviously the number one priority of the organization is to try and get Huberto back to form. And I, I think you know, of late they've seen signs they've seen signs that that's happening. So that's just huge for this organization because I think guys when they lost six in a row, I know like I said earlier, the hockey world's kind of written them off and said, well, they're they're probably out of the playoffs and it's time to rebuild. It it will be time to retool this year. There's no question about it. Um, but, at, you know, while they're doing that and hopefully still making the playoffs this year in their mind, uh, the job one is to get those two guys going. So, it's, yeah, it's good news that they're both playing better. I was going to ask about the, the retool, rebuild. Not that future decisions should just be made off of eight games, but does the, this most recent stretch maybe change how the Flames could approach what's happening with the, the unrestricted free agents? Yeah, I do think that. I, 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 about two weeks ago, I said that this stretch from games 10 – to game 20 is as uh, crucial a stretch as this organization's seen in maybe a decade because if they continue to falter and you know extend that six-game losing streak, then it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to see where the direction has to be. And, and you start liquidating, you start getting rid of these guys, and you start rebuilding in a big, big way. Uh, the fact that the team has really responded favorably and is looking better, there's a lot of good signs, uh, you know, from the general manager's eyes anyway, um, that, that it, it makes your decisions harder. Uh, there, there's, I still would bet that of the four UFAs, I would still bet that the majority of them are gone this year. They may keep one, um, but we'll see. Uh, I know that their attitudes have probably, uh, you know, they've waffled on it at times. I'm sure at the beginning of the year, it sounded like a couple of those guys were interested in staying. Then they lose six in a row, and I think they're probably going, you know what, I've seen this sack for a year and a half. And I got to get out of here. And, and, and now who knows, like who knows where this is going to go. I will say guys like 
the schedule moving forward is terrifying. If you're a Flames fan, uh, they've got five in a row starting Friday when we're in Dallas, five in a row against absolute juggernauts, like five of the best teams in the National Hockey League. And, you know, I'll include Vancouver in that list, even though we're, you know, no one's really sure if they're for real or not. But, man, they've had a great start. You know, there's Vegas in there. There's Dallas in there. Uh, there's some just five of the scariest teams in the league. And so that'll also say a lot about, you know, where this team is at. Yeah, I think of their next 15 games, the easiest one might be a matchup uh, against the Minnesota Wild, which, uh, woof, that's not even an easy matchup. So uh, we'll see how they battle on. Uh, I wanted to ask you about some of the RFAs as well, because this team does have now three RFAs that are that are notable, Dylan Dubé, Martin Pospisil, and Adam Rzichka. The one that I'm very curious about is Rzichka, because going into the season, in the offseason, wasn't sure how he would fit into this mold. When he's in the top six, he looks engaged. When he's in the bottom six, he doesn't always look engaged. What comes next for this player? Man, I don't know. It's a long time before they have to sign him, and that'll, you know, his playoff season long will help dictate, you know, what he's worth. Um, I mean, I sat next to him in the press box the other night. I mean, that's not a good sign for him. Engagement's always been the issue with him, right? Talent and size are all there, but, you know, can he stay engaged for long periods of time is always dating back to junior that was always the the bugaboo for this guy so uh i i, I can't predict what what you're going to see from him moving forward but i can tell you that they still love the guy and they still think that he can be well i think before he was benched uh before he, he was a healthy scratch he was he started that previous game on the top line so you know these guys you know they they want it so badly to work for him and I know talking to management and the coach before the season started, I think we were in Penticton. Um, I don't think many fans had penciled Rizicka into the top nine at all. I think everyone had just kind of said he's going to be your fourth-line center. Um, I know that they had told me repeatedly, we want to give this guy a good, long, hard look. Like the first 20 games of the season, we want to see if this guy can be, you know, play a prominent role on this team. And here we are approaching the 20th game. And I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. Can he be a top six or nine guy? Some nights it looks like he can, but most nights it looks like he can't. So uh, your guess is as good as mine as to you know whether or not he could fill that role. Where are you at on Dylan Dubé? Because I'm coming around to him being a very strong fourth liner, an occasional third liner that can pot you a couple key goals every once in a while. And I think that that's a good role for a player like him. But at the same time, I'm sure he wants to be paid like someone who's... You know, able to play a little bit further up the lineup, and I, I wonder about what his future might hold as well. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're gonna they want to keep him in the in the uh, in the organization, and they're gonna sign him at some point. I just, again, his play this year will dictate where his what his number is. Uh, I, I think he, you know, he's the fastest skater on the team. Uh, I think he injects like I, the guys in the room absolutely love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's such a great guy to have around. I, I, when I look at Dylan Dubé, I still look at him as a future captain of this team. Sure. Um, and, and I know that's a long way off and who knows, anything could happen, but I still think he's got all the characteristics you need to be a future captain. And uh, he's got, you know, presence in the room that's beyond his years. Uh, I, I think what you're alluding to is like on the ice, it's just not, Everyone keeps thinking this is the year he takes that big step, and uh, he never seems to quite take that big step. But what I think he got 18 goals last year or the year yep. before. Like you know, 
he he can do it, and I think he can be a 25 goal scorer. I, I think the biggest problem is trying to find that guy, right? That guy who he meshes with. Um, when we talk about duos on this team and guys who work together well on lines, no one ever, you know, Dubé doesn't really have that guy. He can always play really, really well at, alongside. You know, once he finds that guy, whether it's a center or he is the center on that line, uh, then then maybe that's when he really flourishes. But for now, uh, he's kind of bounced all over that lineup. And then that's important too, like he's he's got the skills to be that utility man and could play in absolutely every different scenario. Like as they're trying so desperately to find places for guys like Sharon Govich um, and, and other guys in this lineup, Huberto for a long time, you know, there was Dubé one night he's on the top line next day, next game, he's uh, centering the fourth line. So yeah. uh, they like his versatility. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, we've talked about already uh, is some of these UFAs trying to, hold on to some of them, trying to deal some of them, all of that type of thing. Now, uh, obviously, there was some some chatter about the Leafs and, and perhaps a deal that could exist there between the Flames and the Leafs when they return from Sweden. The Leafs are getting back from Sweden now. Do you think that there's a deal coming for the Flames before we get to the holidays? No. No, not before the holidays, not at all. I mean, I, I had a long chat with Craig Conroy the other night and... and uh, I wrote a story yesterday about Michael Backlund and how hard it was for him to pull Zadorov aside and tell him to cease and desist and, and stop his chatter. And, uh, and, and in there, you know, Conroy had said, like, I've had a conversation with Zadorov. We get along well. Uh, he thinks that Zadorov has been a pro. Now, obviously, it's very unprofessional with the way his agent handled things. And, and you could argue that he hasn't been a pro in terms of the way he's been a little outspoken and, and, and really rankled his teammates. But he's been a pro in terms of, Throughout it all, I think he's been really, really good as a player this year. Um, but I, I don't see a trade happening at all before Christmas. No, I don't. Um, we've all tried to connect dots between the Leafs and the Flames. And sure, it seems obvious that at some point, one of those defensemen is going to land in Toronto. You know, particularly maybe in my, you know, it could be Tanev. He's from there. Uh, but, man... I've joked about this ever since Craig Conroy became the general manager. Like, if I'm Craig, I block Tree Living's number. Uh, I, jokingly, I mean, I know they're good friends and everything, but, you know, when you're a rookie GM and you're trying to make a trade with Tree Living, who has a history of, like, fleecing guys, uh, I don't think you want to mess hmm. with that. And also, I don't think you want to be known as a guy who helped the Leafs uh, in a big way. You know, that's a huge hole that the Leafs have had for – a decade or so, they, they defense. And if you're going to be the guy who helps them, oh man, you better get rewarded big time. Um, so I, no, I, I don't expect any trades at all for the Flames uh, until well after Christmas. You know, and I, and by by Christmas time, they'll know exactly kind of they'll know a lot better. You know, is this team can they compete for a playoff spot? I think the answer is yes. And then and also here's another thing. Listen, Zadorov goes about his business and asks for a trade via his agent on Twitter. Brutal, right? Very disruptive and, and just, just not cool. You don't reward a guy like that by, by, by granting his wish. You look like a, a fool. So even if Conroy wanted to trade him in particular before Christmas, he can't do it because the whole team and the whole league is watching to see how Conroy will respond to this ridiculously placed trade request. So, it's not happening anytime soon. 
Do you think the Toffoli trade from the offseason is kind of the, the blueprint uh, print for what we could look for in terms of a, a return um, for, for some of these guys? Like, not necessarily a bunch of futures, but a pick and a young-ish player that could fit on the roster now? Is that kind of what they're looking for, you think? Yeah, I think like, it could be. I mean, I, I, I hey, man, it depends. Listen, I know the organization has set prices on all these guys. Like, hey, in our, in our perfect world, Elias Lindholm is worth, you know, whatever it is, like a first rounder, a top six, you know, a top prospect in an organization uh, and a, a top nine forward who can join the team right away, whatever the case is. I do believe that if at any point in time, any of those prices are met, I think the Flames would consider making that trade right away for any of those guys. Um, but nobody's met their prices uh, and this has been going on a while. So at some point, someone's going to get a little more desperate and step up and maybe meet that price. And yeah, it could be, you know, a top draft pick and a prospect or a guy who could play in the lineup right away. But yeah, uh, it would be nice. I know the Flames would love it if, if any of these trades would come together quickly, like the Sharon Govich trade did. But, uh, but yeah, I think generally speaking, of course, any trade that they make is going to get, make them a lot younger uh, and it's going to involve a prospect for sure. Enjoy Smashville. Uh, maybe get an IV, a little water mixed in, <laughs> and uh, get ready for Dallas because I know it's going to be another trek for you. Yeah, the uh, as it as it as it happens, that Thanksgiving game is in Dallas tomorrow. Yeah, it, it is, is, and it's an off day. Uh, maybe not for the players, but for yeah. some people, it's an off day. Mm. And so, definitely going to head down and check out the NFL action. As you guys know from our little NFL pool. I don't know uh, any of the players in the NFL, but I can tell you I'm very excited to see Danny White lead the uh, the Cowboys tomorrow. That's going to be you? very exciting. Yeah, Danny <laughs> yeah. White, hey. Hmm. Well, there's some talk that Roger Staubach might. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. That's up to them. Man, I just, I, I'm just going to. I'll just be sitting in the stands. I'm just always so impressed how you just automatically become part of the local media wherever you go. It's just incredible stuff. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Cheers, boys. See you, franchise. There you go, Eric Francis, uh, Sportsnet reporter, Flames writer. Um, yeah, mixing the water, doing great. He brought up a good point, though. This next schedule for the Flames. Gross. Murderers Row. Justin Bourne tweeted it out yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. 15 games before Christmas. Stop me when we get to a non-playoff team. At Dallas, at Colorado. That's a back-to-back, -back, by the way. Yeah. At home to Vegas, Dallas, Vancouver, Minnesota. There's one. Minnesota? Yeah, there's a non-playoff team. Okay, but close, right? Probably a bubble playoff team. They're below team. the Flames. Yeah, but... So I, I'm just saying... I'll, I, would, I'll... I would consider them a playoff caliber team. Okay, I thought you were just going on like teams that aren't no, in playoff no, no, no. spots No, Teams right that now. at the end of the oh. year we would expect to be in the postseason. They are one of I... the teams that when I look at the Central, they could do it. Caprizov's got... Four goals, five goals right now. I feel yeah. like that'll turn around. Got to be a regression of the mean at some point. Yeah, yeah. I was not a big believer in the Minnesota Wild. Haven't been in a while. In a while. They've is, also were without Spurgeon for like, like the first two months of the season. Matt Boldy's not scoring yeah, either. Well, you take the top defenseman off any team for the first six weeks of your year, and you tell me how it's going to go poorly. Yeah. Uh, Carolina after that, New Jersey. Then they go to Colorado and Vegas. That's also a back to back. Oh <laughs> God. They get Denver They get to go to Denver twice in a month here. Yep, and then they go back to Minnesota. Then they host Tampa and Florida. Then they go to Anaheim. That's probably the one that I would look at and say definitely not a playoff team. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then they go to L.A. 
And then, it, then it's the holidays. Yeah. Buckle up. Yeah, we're gonna know. Uh, we're gonna know what this team is by then. That's for sure. They have eleven of their next fifteen against Western Conference foes too. Yeah, this is an important stretch to kind of figure out what they are, <laughs> and I, I think for Craig Conroy to evaluate where this team is at. <laughs> yeah, that is, um, that is rough. Also, he said um, in there, Dylan Dubé, the fastest skater on the team. We can actually check these things now, so I was actually curious. Um, his max speed is just a touch below the top skater on this team. Do you have any guesses as to who the fastest skater on the I know who be? it is. Oh, you do? It's Nikita Zadorov. Nah, uh, incorrect. Oh. Back when I first checked at the NHL Edge stats, yeah. he was leading the team in bursts over 20 miles an hour. Mm. Oh, actually, I looked at the wrong number. You were actually correct. Yeah. He is the fastest, yeah. yeah. Just beating out uh, Noah Hannafin's 22.7 miles per hour, his 23.15 miles an hour. Yeah, he's capped out at the highest speed for the Flames all season long. Yeah. That's a quick, quick man. Yeah. Hey, listen, when he gets around the net and he gets his lane and the, the four checker gets behind him and there's nobody in front of him and he just straight lines it. When he gets rumbling. Yeah, when he gets that gallop going, those <laughs> long, 40-foot-long yeah. strides of his... He can get going. Yeah, he can get going quick, and he can turn the puck over like just like that, right? Oh like, man, yeah, at the blue line, and then just the behind the, your own net, the big semi turn to get back into the back <laughs> check. My goodness, sign me up. Uh, okay, we'll take a break. We continue on. Uh, Jason Bukla is going to join us. Thoughts on Huberto's turnaround. Thoughts on the upcoming draft. Thoughts on the Oilers. Uh, thoughts on this point of the season. It's kind of what I'm deeming the twilight zone of the season. We're trying to figure out who's good and who's bad in the standings. You can't really tell because all sorts of teams have gone on random streaks. that don't really make sense when you look at what their rosters are. We'll ask him how he evaluates this point of the season as well. Uh, we also have a giveaway for you. We've got some blue ball tickets that we're going to give away before the end of the hour. That's going to be in the next segment. We have Impossible Flames trivia. Lachlan Peterson from the Cowboys Blue Ball is going to join us for a quick chat coming up as well. We have a great uh, third hour here planned for you. Hour one of the big show is live wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google. Hour two going to be up soon. We chatted with Pete Weber, Predators Radio play-by-play voice. We chatted with Eric Francis. They both joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Take a break. Hour three is next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.